0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Andrea Epteen with the Direct Impact Podcast. Thank you so much, listeners, for showing up. We've got a great episode for you today. We've got Emily Sander with us. And today we're going to be discussing imposter syndrome, how to be a more confident decision maker. Mm -hmm. I think we can all use that. How to be the boss of your own life, time management, productivity mindsets, mindset shifts, and more. So all these things that we need to help us with our executive functioning, to minimize all of our limiting beliefs, and to really show up and be that CEO of our own life. So that is what Emily's about. And I just want to introduce her to y'all. you She is an amazing woman, and she is a C-suite executive and founder of Next Level Coaching. Um, She's an ICF certified coach, and she guides clients towards perspectives and enables them to adapt and evolve as leaders. She has worked with business leaders all over the world. I mean, she's worked with companies like Amazon and Microsoft, I believe, Emily, right? right. And helped, you know, develop the Kindle. I mean, like all kinds of cool things and worked with some amazing leaders executives in those large companies to first-time managers, and she's also the author of a book that we're going to be talking about, and it's called Hacking Executive Leadership. So, did I get all that right, Emily? Yes, that was right. You can introduce me anytime.
1: All right, man.
0: You are awesome. We are so grateful to have you and your insights and your expertise on the show today. So, tell us, that's a little bit, I mean, that's an intro into your professional world, but I want to know a little bit more about Emily, and what gave purpose and passion to the work you do now?
1: Certainly, yes. You certainly gave my my professional highlight reel, so thank you for that. (laughs) Layered within that is, of course, a personal story. So uh, I know we mentioned imposter syndrome and perfectionism, and I would definitely describe myself as a recovering perfectionist. So early in my career and and young Emily, early in my life, it was, you know, I was very self-critical. I wanted things to be pitch perfect and that served its purpose in a way, but it also got, uh, held me back and got in my way. And so through time and learning and self-improvement and self-growth, you know, really coming around to being kind to myself, uh, which helps me be kind to others. And you talked about the passion and fulfillment. I climbed that corporate ladder really quickly. Um, and I was very driven and very ambitious. And again, that served its purpose. And I'm proud of all those accomplishments. But when I looked back and said, what was my favorite thing or what was the the interactions that were most fulfilling, it were those one-on-one interactions with my colleagues or my bosses and helping them get to their next level. So either an actual career promotion or their next level of confidence or speaking in front of a group, things like that. And that's how I became a coach. Once I identified that and said, oh my goodness, okay, that's what gives it meaning. Let me go pursue that full-time.
0: I love that. And it sounds like it's about relationship building too with clients and helping them build relationship with their team.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, leadership is all about the relationships you have with your team. It's the individual investments that you're making in people. It's showing people that you care about them professionally and personally. And people, I think, can feel that and they resonate with that and are drawn toward it. So if you think about, you know, a leader who is all in it for themselves and um, wants, wants to get ahead and will push people down, you can feel that. Conversely, if you have someone who is truly interested in you, who gives you their full attention, who goes out on a limb for you, who gives you opportunities when you're not quite ready, but they think you can do it, you respond very differently to that type of leader.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You do. And so emotional intelligence, you know, being self-aware and having that insight, that's just a huge part of our personal development, growth, and the ability to lead, right? I mean, that's what it's about. (laughs) So I want to dive into kind of a loaded question here. And just with our listeners in mind, you know, I just want to remind our listeners that like the key elements of like human executive functioning, which all of us, struggle with one or more of, but those key elements include like working memory, um, inhibition, task switching, and anybody who's like me with ADHD, task switching is like a huge issue and it can be a time suck and a time killer and really mess with our time management skills. But mm-hmm. I have a, a deeper question is on another podcast, you said, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And I just, that really resonated with me. I loved that. Because Lightning in a Bottle has a course, and the course is on the perfectionism paradox, and which really is the enemy of good every time. And I feel like perfectionism negatively impacts these key elements of the executive functioning. And I would just like to hear what you, Emily, um, the professional, says about this.
1: Sure. Perfectionism just holds you back as a leader, especially in the business world today. You have to move very quickly. And so you can't, you often can't wait for something to be pitch perfect. So it makes you get stuck in the wrong places. Being a leader in today's world, you need to be agile and you need to be able to adapt to the environment and to the information coming in. If you're a CEO, you are very rarely going to have complete information. So you're going to be working with limited information, incomplete data, and you're going to have to make um, a decision. So perfect being the enemy of good is, is this good enough to move forward? Or should we spend more time and then an opportunity passes us by? Or we're not able to you know, do an option that we would have had if we had moved quicker. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, perfectionism is uh, perfect is the enemy of good. And even as a small example, um, I had a team member once who, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, Jennifer, can you put together this PowerPoint presentation for the group? And she liked PowerPoint. So I thought it would be a good project. And she was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was like, can we check on in this on Wednesday? And she didn't have it done. And she didn't have it done. I'm like, Hey, it's Friday. We have to get going. Didn't have it done. I'm like, Jennifer, like, what are you working on? And she said, I'm working on aligning the border of this box in this graph in the lower right-hand corner of slide 36. Yep. And I was like, (laughs) okay, so (laughs) I love your, you know, thing for accuracy and precision and excellence, but this is good enough. Like this PowerPoint is literally good enough and no one is going to notice if that box is aligned. So that was where it was like perfect being the enemy of good.
0: Hey, listen up. You don't want to miss out on this. Wise Mind Enterprises and Lightning in a Bottle Digital Courses are offering direct impact listeners deep discounts of up to 25% on their 2022 course offerings. Say what? 25%? That's right, Edward. Just visit www.lightninginabottle.biz/courses to pre-order and save big. These courses are carefully curated with you in mind. Hey, Madison, did you know Lightning in a Bottle works with credentialed licensed
1: professional psychotherapists to create life-giving content that is sure to make an impact? I did, and I'm super excited about their new courses.
0: Me too. New 2022 digital courses include The Antidote
1: to Reactive Living, Healing Body Betrayal, Escaping the Perfectionism Paradox, Essential
0: Truths to Support Your Recovery, just to name a few, and with more life-enhancing courses coming down the pipeline. And if 25% savings still leaves you on the fence, well, how about this? The first 20 people to pre-order will receive 50% off a second course of their choosing. I don't know about you, but I need at least 2 of those courses. So visit www.lightninginabottle.biz/courses today and enter the promo code IMPACT to receive massive savings on valuable courses.
1: Oh, side note, Lightning in a Bottle offers more than just courses. They offer a recovery and life enhancement community, and they're always interested in hearing from you. If one of these courses didn't resonate with you, well, let them know what you're looking for on your journey because your voice is valued and vital.
0: Alrighty, my friends, pre-order or engage with Lightning in a Bottle at www.lightninginabottle.biz. Invest in you today, and don't forget your promo code IMPACT. And in the perfectionism paradox, we we talk about procrastination being such a key characteristic of perfectionism, which really keeps you from moving forward, moving that dial. And I love that you use the word good enough because that's what it's about. Is it good enough to move forward? And I really want our listeners to hear that. You know, there is no such thing as perfect. It's, is it good enough to make a wise-minded decision? and move forward, right? So thank you so much for that. I really, I loved those words. I had to write them down when you said that. I was (laughs) like, yes, it is the enemy of good. I'm going to have to use that. So would you take some time to explain the swizzle method for our listeners?
1: (laughs) Certainly. So swizzle is a, as a framework for Thinking creatively, being resourceful, being open to using all the areas of your life to to problem solve. And the word came about, I made it up. I was talking to my team, (laughs) actually about a PowerPoint deck again. And I was saying, you know, hey, we have these three previous PowerPoint decks. We have a new one. We have to create swizzle the three together and make the new one. And what I meant by that was take the best elements or the most relevant elements of the three previous decks and put them into the new one and, you know, stylize it and make it all consistent and, and make the new one. So that's how the word kind of came about. I was like, tired or stressed and trying to think of something, I was like, guys, just like swizzle it together. And they actually got it um, because they knew me well. And I was like, that's excellent. And then I used it all over and and people started using it all over the office. But that principle can be used in a whole bunch of different places. So an example I love to share is I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing Floyd Mayweather, who's a champion boxer. And I don't know anything about boxing. You don't want to see me box or do anything (laughs) like that. But they were talking to him about, like, what's your training like? Why are you so good? Like, what makes you the champion? What makes you the best? Is it your diet? Is it your, you know, coach, whatever? And he eventually said, it's none of those things. It's my adaptability. Mm -hmm. And it's my ability to adapt to every fight and every round and every punch better than anyone else. And because I do that better than anyone else, that's why I'm the champion. And when I heard that, I was driving and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about boxing, but I can lift and shift that principle to my world, which is business and say, am I adapting as best as I can? Am I adapting to the team meeting I'm in or the person I'm talking to or to the decision I'm making? And if I'm good at that, that will make me
0: champion or or a
1: better leader in my world. So I swizzled that concept.
0: Oh, I love that. And and I'll tell you, just for me personally, why I love that so much, you know, you mentioned the word at the beginning of this episode, you mentioned the word ambition. And I feel like adaptability is what makes ambition healthy, but without that adaptability and, you know, opening your ears to new concepts and letting the input of others flow in, like ambition can like be the killer of dreams. (laughs) But, But I love that. I love the swizzle method and how how you came up with it. <laughs> yeah. Don't we have our best ideas in the bathroom and the shower, toilet and car? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I will I will second that. And sometimes in the gym, I'm like deadlifting or doing something like that and I'm like, "Oh, that's the answer to that thing." So it's like when our brain is focused on something else, it comes up with the best best stuff.
0: I know. And there's some amazing research behind that. So it's like, yes, people, self-care. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all we can. I can talk about that for, for days, but absolutely. Would Do you it. like
0: to talk for a second on the importance of self-care?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yes, it's often overlooked. And uh, to your point, people think, oh, I need to put the time uh, and energy into this thing nonstop. And sure, there's maybe a time and place for like, hey, you got to rise and grind and hustle and grind and all those things. But Equally so, if not more importantly, you need to take time to recharge and reboot, and it will very often give you better ideas, and it will make you think of things that you, you know, if you had pushed yourself and kept pressing yourself to try to be in this space, you wouldn't have gotten to. So one of the things, you know, not only one of the benefits for self-care is not only you feel better and you show up better to your team, but you actually get to better answers. So the quality of your decisions and the quality of your ideas are better. So that's just a quick plug for for self-care, but I'm all all for that. And I work with my clients on that uh, quite a lot because people often overlook that element of leadership.
0: Well, as a psychotherapist and a supervisor and a leader and a director, I could not agree with you more. I don't think we can talk about self-care enough and um, it doesn't matter how much we talk about it. People still overlook it it, because that rest and that rejuvenation and that time to think and to contemplate and just be still with yourself, engage your body in different ways, all of those things, it makes you a more productive, vibrant human being. It, It gives you a life worth living without it. It's just, it doesn't matter what you accomplish it's just it's just stuff it's just energy and it's not that fulfilling type of energy so yeah preach girl it's it's great (laughs) listen up direct impact nation you know how important routine structure consistency and accountability is on the road to recovery and personal discovery Well, I have developed the perfect companion for you on your journey. My Plan to Recover journal is thoughtfully and specifically designed for the person looking to achieve long-term success in recovery while gaining personal insight, awareness, emotional intelligence, and spiritual integrity. The Plan to Recover journal will help you stay recovery-minded, Practice your priorities and build a healthy relationship with self and others, 12 hours at a time. To preview and pre-order your copy today, visit www.lightninginabottle.biz journal. That's www.lightninginabottle.biz journal. And don't forget to get a PTR journal for a friend on their journey too. Direct Impact Nation will save 15% when you use the promo code IMPACT. That's promo code I-M-P-A-C-T. With the purchase of your PTR journal, you will become part of an exclusive community dedicated to recovery and self-discovery. Visit www.lightninginabottle.biz and let us take you from want to to willing and from willing to healing.
1: Yes, certainly. So the failure loop is another kind of mental framework that you can use to rethink the traditional sense of failure. So in my book, I have a a graph, but I'll describe it briefly for your listeners. So it's a chain of loops, so individual loops that are connected, and the entire chain goes up and to the right, and that's the direction of progress. However, within the individual loop, there's a spot where you are going back down and to the left, which is the opposite direction of progress, and that represents a failure event. So in real life, that could be, oh, I was making a presentation and I fell flat on my face. That's super embarrassing. Or I made a career decision and, oh, that did not go the way I intended, and now I have to face up to that and figure out what to do. Um, What a failure. A lot of people will stop there and say, oh, that's the end. I just failed. I'm a failure. Like, this is horrible. I'm I'm embarrassed. And it's that gut punch. It's that horrible feeling you get. And instead, if you say, okay, this, this happened and I acknowledge it happened, but I'm going to take the learning and lesson from that as painful as it might be and as long as it might take, but I'm going to take the learning and lesson from that and apply it going forward. You've just propelled yourself up to the next individual loop and you're now back in the direction of progress up into the right. And so I work a lot with clients who have to make tough decisions and, like we talked about before, are making it with imperfect information. And so they're bound to, you know, not make the quote unquote right decision sometimes. And they have to learn from that and move forward in a similar vein oftentimes the the ambitious people or the driven people are out on their growth edge. So they're pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone and doing things for the first time. And so inevitably, you're not going to do that perfectly. And so you have to learn from those things and keep going. I really love working with clients who like to do that and help them get comfortable in being in that space. So saying, hey, this feeling or moment of failure is actually not a mark of of failure and you being a failure. It's actually a mark of you being a successful person. Because if you do this over and over again throughout your entire career, throughout your entire life, you are going to be far more successful or accomplish uh, far more than someone who stops.
0: We talk a lot about failure and failing Often and failing forward, and how to not get stuck in the mire of the perception of failure and what that says about you as a human being. So, I really love your failure loop because what I'm hearing you say is don't get stuck in that beginning phase and buy into your limiting beliefs. Move forward through the whole process so that you can grow from the experience and take that experience on your next effort. Is that correct? Absolutely.
1: And I, one of my favorite quotes around this is I'm successful because I'm willing to fail more times than you're willing to try. So more times than Mm -hmm. you're even willing to try and get out in the arena and get out in the ring. I'm going to fail more times than you.
0: I love it. I love it. That is such a great message for, well, every human being, but all of our (laughs) listeners, I mean, just that willingness to get out there and try. I mean, it's just, it's part of life. And one thing I would just add, tagging on to what you
1: said you know keeping that healthy distance between what it says about you as a person versus you know what you're doing and one thing that i like to emphasize is who you are as a person is someone who goes and does things is someone you're out there you're actually trying to do things you're actually in the arena it's so temp it's so easy to sit on the sidelines and like you know shout things at people who are playing or like throw things at them and be critical but hey like guess who i am i'm the one actually in the arena so you can you know shut your lips and learn um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just that's who i am as a person i'm someone who's actually doing
0: Okay, listen up. I just need to say how life-changing Canva has been for our team. It packs the value of one, maybe even two, full-time employees saving me thousands. It is valuable. Money and time that I can put back into my business. Thank you Canva for making all the things possible. Use Canva for your social media posts, professional graphics, presentations, digital courses, posters, videos, logos, and much, much, much more. Canva is a must have for real y'all. With thousands of professional templates, images, and quality content to choose from, it's like having an experienced graphic designer and content creator in my pocket. With Canva, you can collaborate with your team and tackle projects together in real time. At Lightning in a Bottle and the Direct Impact podcast, we use Canva for just about everything. And honestly, I don't want to imagine doing business or engaging our amazing community without it. For all these reasons, we have become a Canva affiliate. Please go to our show notes and check out Canva, .canva www.canva.com. Go to our show notes and check them out. And don't forget to use our promo code, Impact to support this podcast. Now back to the show. Some of our listeners struggle with anxiety and just emotional dysregulation around decision-making. That can be like really scary and it can be the smallest decision. It can be about like, where are we going to go eat tonight when their partner asks them? Can you explain the three circles framework from your book and how that helps with decision-making? Sure. So the three circles is
1: uh, an equation. So it's circle one plus circle two equals circle three. And the great thing about this framework is it uh, makes you define what you want. So it helps you define your ideal outcome and then how to best get there. So circle one is an external event. So something will you know drop in your lap or come across your desk and that's kind of, okay, this is what I'm dealing with now. Um, You actually skip to circle three really quick. So you say, okay, what do I want to have happen here? What's my ideal or desired outcome? And that's an important step because a lot of people make knee-jerk reactions uh, just based on emotion off of what comes in on circle one. But you really want to define, okay, what do I want to have happen here? And then you can reverse engineer back to circle two and say, okay, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? What do I need to not say? What do I need to not do in order to give myself the best chance to get to circle three. And so this can be used in a whole bunch of different scenarios. It can be used in the moment when you're in a team meeting and something isn't going right, it's getting off the rails. You can use it proactively for planning stages of a project. You can use it for little family decisions or home decisions that you have, but three circles is a good one to define what you want to have happen. And then also really you know, push yourself to say, okay, how do I need to show up? What do I need? What's my part in this to try to make that happen? And oftentimes or sometimes in circle to what you're called to do isn't what you feel like doing. It might not be what you feel like doing, but in order to get to your desired outcome, you you do it anyway.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. It provides like an energy inventory in it. It's like, how do you want to use your very valuable time and expertise and energy. Um, and what are your main goals?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I love that because we have finite emotional energy every day mm-hmm. and we have to be very judicious about where we use that and where we're, we're spending that or wasting it. So I love that concept.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you are establishing like, what is the big priority. What is the main priority and are all these little decisions helping me to work towards that or is it actually moving me potentially further away from that? So that's just beautiful. It allows people to create margin around their time and their goals.
1: Yeah, I love that. And and sorry to jump in, but just on your on your little example you gave, like, where do we go for dinner? I'm just (laughs) thinking about all the different contexts for that. So it could be like a fairly like easy benign question, but sometimes it's okay. If this has been a thing in the past, like what's my ideal outcome? Do I want to go to like somewhere I really want to eat? Or do I want to kind of keep the peace and say, you know, what's going to be best for this relationship? So in circle two, it might be saying like the second best place you want to go, but knowing that your partner, whomever is asking would want to go there too. So something like that. I'm just trying to make it up on the fly, but no,
0: I, (laughs) I, I love it. So the three circles, it creates margin around time, but let's just segue into time management how do you go from managing your time to mastering your time? Like really prioritizing that time and that energy because it's not like a renewable resource, right? It is like one of the most important things that we have and we want to be a master of it. Like you've got some great strategies. Um, Help out our listeners. Certainly. Yes.
1: Time, you can't get it back. So it's the one commodity you can't get back. So with time management or time mastery, there's Practical and tactical things that people can do. And then there's also mental frameworks that people can use. So a lot of people start with the former and they skip the latter, but we can go through both. So some practical and tactical things you can do are time blocking. So people might have heard about this, but it's actually blocking time out for specific tasks or projects in your calendar. So a lot of us are running around crazily and we're looking at our phones saying, what's next? And it's all in our calendar. And so if you have a time block for, oh, this is when I work on that project, it's in there and you honor that as a a meeting with yourself. The way I've kind of swizzled that for myself is going into my week I'll say, okay, what are my top two priorities? So I'll, I have like yearly goals and quarterly goals and, you know, how does this week fit into that? So what are the two big rocks? If I got nothing else done, what two things do I have to get done this week? And I'll schedule those in my calendar. Those are a little bit flexible, So if I can keep them, I absolutely will. But if some, you know, kid gets sick at school or something like really crazy comes up, I can move those around because I only have two, but those stay in my calendar. So they stay top of mind and I always build time in to do those things. So that's some ways you can do it there. Other ones are... It's often just hardest to start something. So we build it up in our mind. Anticipation is this huge, big, arduous thing. And just starting is the hardest part. So getting that inertia and that momentum going. So micro habits are good to use here. So if you want to read more, say, Hey, I'm going to read one page a day. And if I read one page a day, I win. I get the check mark. I meet my goal. But very often you will read more than one page a day and you'll just build that habit and you'll. Use that time well. You have the Pomodoro technique. So set a timer for 25 minutes. So that kind of time caps it for yourself. And then back to perfectionism. Sometimes when you're doing the first draft of something, it doesn't have to be perfect. So if you're, I don't know, writing a blog or or working on something like that, do the outline. Don't do everything word perfect. The commas and periods and semicolons don't have to be in there perfectly. Just get the ideas out on paper. The final tactical and practical thing I'd say is. I love uh, using a daily blueprint, a daily blueprint is where you write down the things that you're going to do that day, and then you visualize them going well. And so it can take as little as five minutes or even less if you don't have that time, but just jot them down. So you write them down and then you say, okay, let me visualize that podcast going well, or let me visualize that blog outline going well, that type of thing. So you kind of set set yourself in a good spot. Moving to the mental pieces, and again, don't underestimate these and don't skip these. The first mental one is playing to your strengths. So we're all naturally good at certain things, and we're not so good at others. And that's fine. Everyone has that. But be self-aware enough to know what they are, and then stick to the things that you're naturally good at or you're inclined to do. And then outsource and automate the stuff that you're not so good at or it's just like i hate doing this it's it's you know just a drudgery to do it the reason you want to do that is because one it takes you longer to do the stuff you're not so good at and it wears you down and so if you say okay i'm you know going to try to slog through this thing that i'm not good at it takes you longer so you're wasting time and then when you get to the thing that's in your strength that you are good at you're more tired and so you've basically double compounded against yourself So that's the the first mental framework to use there. The second and last one is this concept of uh, green zone, red zone, or green light, red light. And I equate this to driving a car. So you're the driver and throughout the day or throughout the week, you can be pressing on the gas pedal or you can be tapping on your brakes or slamming on your brakes the whole time. And green zone thoughts or green light thoughts are things like, I can do this. I'm good at this project. I've got this. I'm capable. I'm smart. And obviously those things, are very encouraging and motivating and you're going with uh, with the river current and red zone thoughts are things like this is impossible i'm so bad at this i hate this and you know that's like slamming on the brakes or going upstream and so you're just working against yourself so taking those practical and tactical tips and then pairing them with the mental frameworks to put yourself in in a good headspace and good position to tackle the projects you have is is a winning combination
0: Emily, I just, I have to note that every skill or tool that you just mentioned is like the ideal thing that you teach somebody with ADHD or somebody with a neurodivergent brain. And so I just, I feel like it is just so interesting because these are the workarounds that these types of brains can master to make sure that there is absolutely nothing in front of them that they cannot achieve. And so I'm so glad to hear that it also works in the world of leadership because a lot of your, you know, neurodivergent brains are in leadership roles and entrepreneurs, and they really need to master these skills. Absolutely. I, I've worked with leaders in very high
1: positions who have ADHD, and absolutely. it is about managing. You know, they manage things a little bit differently, but it's absolutely doable. I I had a client who, you know, just said, Emily, I I think I need to build my calendar where uh, I have 45 minute meetings and I leave the last 15 minutes for me to make my notes because I have to make them right after. And I said, that's excellent. So let's try that. And it worked for him.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I love the emphasis on self-awareness here. It's, It's know yourself, know your brain, love your brain, respect your brain and how it works. And you know, what your body needs to, you know, achieve all of these things. And so I, I just, I love all of those skills. Like, I'll just tell you how I use some of them in my life. Probably about two years ago, when I started writing my journal, the plan to recover journal, I, I started reading as one of my goals, one page a day. And I want you to know that I have read 20 books. <laughs> More books than I have ever read in my life by just, you know, breaking it down, chunking it, making it simple, making it something that's like, oh my gosh, I don't care how exhausted I am at the end of the day. There's no way I'm not going to be able to read one page. Sometimes does it turn into a chapter? Sure but I'm always going to be able to manage that one page. And I just, I think there are lots of things that we can do that with and our brains really and our bodies respond to it so much better. And then the concept of, I call it mega batching, but but putting everything on your calendar where you're not switching you're not switching. It's like, this is what I'm supposed to do now. These are the types of tasks or projects that I have allotted for this time. I love it. I love it. Also helpful for our listeners. So thank you so much. I want to just go into, again, we mentioned it being a boss of your own life. Like how can people be the CEO of their own life?
1: The first step is being aware of it. As we've talked about the first step of building a new habit is self-awareness and then embracing that. So saying I have a hundred percent responsibility for my life, my decisions, and my circumstances, that statement is often daunting in a sense, you know, this is, this is all up to me, but it's also empowering. And it's like, it is all up to me and I can decide and I can make this what I will. And so once you have that concept nailed down, you really say, I am the CEO of my life every day. And we talk about leadership and leadership can be titles and what you call people in business or certainly the military has ranks and things like this but leadership is also attribute as, as a trait and so everyone is leading their own life every day. And if you think about, hey, you know if I'm the CEO of my life and I have different departments so to speak like family and friends and relationships, career, finances, hobbies, spiritual life, physical fitness and health, you know how is my company running? you know if they're all doing great, great, what makes it run that way let me keep doing that if you know certain parts are going well but not others you know what needs to change what do I need to update and oftentimes you know CEOs I work with have to answer to a board of directors so imagine you had your quarterly you know board of directors meeting you know how would you be able to report things are going and really take uh, take agency and, and have fun with it you know you're 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 the CEO of your own life every freaking day um, and that's a good
0: thing absolutely it is and just that knowledge and that internal locus of control over your outcomes and your experiences it is it's empowering it's like this is my job no one else is going to do it for me <laughs> so <laughs> let's use all my resources to step up to the plate that's awesome i love it i love it and and thank you for all these very valuable nuggets for our listeners i know they're just going to eat it up eat it up what would be your call to action for anybody who might be struggling a little bit with decision making, time management, imposter syndrome? Um, what would be the call to action just for this week? If there were one, if there's one thing from your amazing book that is chock full of, you know, information, what would you have our listeners do this week?
1: I would say, you know, take inventory of where you want to do better. So, hey, if you have something that you want to come up higher in an area you want to do better in, figure out what that is and what that looks like. If there's something you want to go after, or, hey, I've always had this goal or I've kind of been scared to do it, but I've really had that in the back of my mind, take inventory of that and then take action. So participate in, in life and take the smallest step you can. So we talked about chunking it up earlier. So take pick something that's that's uh, makes you go, oh, that's so easy. I can do that, and then do it. So yes, you know, we we grow as people. That's what we do. We evolve, and that's what humans are supposed to do. So work with that. Work with yourself, and be intentional about it, and then take action, even if it's a small step, even if it's a baby step, do
0: it. Intentionality and action on one small item that's going to move the needle this week. I I love it, Emily, and. Tell our listeners more about where they can get, where can they get more of Emily and where can they order your book and where can they, you know, get some coaching you know, where can they learn more about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been an absolute blast. And if people want to know more about me, my website is nextlevel.coach. That's nextlevel, all one word.coach. There's a lot of information on me and some other free resources for coaching and things we've been talking about. My book is called Hacking Executive Leadership, and it's on Amazon. There's a Kindle version, there's an Audible version, um, whatever format is is best for you.
0: Absolutely. And we are going to link To the show notes. So, all of you wondering out there, where can I get more of Emily Sander? We are going to put the um, Next Level Coach website and her Twitter handle and social media and where you can get her book on the show notes. So, at the end of this episode, just scroll down. And go ahead and tap on her website or on Amazon and order that book. Okay. www.nextlevel.coach to learn more about Emily. Like she's helped so many people become the best version of themselves in leadership. And I know that, you know, you're going to love her book guys. So thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the show. It's just a pleasure meeting with you. Thank you so much.